When it rains, it pours, and it is certainly pouring in Detroit. That is nine straight losses, and the only team in baseball that has yet to win a game in the month of June. Let's talk about it, shall we? All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, June 12th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. All righty. Well, we are certainly back. I would say better than ever, but I don't think that that's very true. Uh, we are back, though, and hopefully better than ever. The show, not the team. You get what I'm trying to say. Nine straight losses for your Detroit Tigers. They have yet to win a game in the calendar month of June. They are the only team of baseball that that applies to. Very rough weekend. They get swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks. They lose 6-11, 0-5, and 5-7 at home. And then today, as you're listening to this, if you're listening on Monday, they invite the Atlanta Braves into town for a three-game set. And then you have the Minnesota Twins. And then you have the Royals. So you have nine straight. And the next three are against arguably the best team in baseball. One of, inarguably. And then your division leader. Laugh about how bad our division is all you want. Objectively, five, at the time of this recording, five and a half games better than you. That's probably only going to get worse from now until Thursday when that series starts. If, if you're watching on YouTube, you see the little itinerary over here and how boring it is it just says nine straight losses and then it just says starting pitching bullpen offense then it says do something part 3000 and then looking ahead the reason that it's boring and it's just cut and dry and straight to the point is because everything involving this team at the moment is dreadful everything pretty much nothing's going right the starting pitching, we don't even have a starting pitcher today. The the Tigers, who just used seven pitchers on Sunday, plan on having a bullpen game on Monday against, again, arguably the best team in baseball. So that'll go well, I'm sure. So you literally don't have a, a, st- a starting pitcher today, so obviously that's a huge issue. And the ones you do have aren't performing. So we're just going to talk in holes, in, in general statements about every asset of the team there. Starting pitching, then the bullpen, and how it's completely collapsing because it was always just contingent on two people. And those two people aren't doing very well. So the whole bullpen is completely collapsing. And then we'll talk about the offense, which was never really good, even if it gave the the facade, the image of being good for a little bit in May, never scored runs, has not all year. Even when, when they were winning games in May and walking a ton and Riley Green had an OPS of 1,000, 
even in that era, still weren't really scoring runs. And now you remove Green, you remove, honestly, several bats. This team has had a lot of injuries on top of their already inept play. Now you find yourself here. And the scariest part about this is, while it's happening, is like you don't know where rock bottom is, right? Like, we don't know. Like, they, they could they could shock everybody and, and win game one against Atlanta. And it's like, okay, we lost nine straight. Let's let's try and, and, and win some ball games here. If we're done just losing every game. Let's try and get back on the horse, maybe scrap together some wins. And you're like, okay, it's a nine-game stretch in the first week of June. Let's put it behind us. Try and play competitive ball from here on out. Try. <laughs> but it could be 12 games. They could get swept by Atlanta very easily. It, it could go into the Minnesota series. That's why it's just it's so intimidating while you're here. Out in October... We're going to look back, and obviously we're going to point to the Riley Green and Erod injuries as the turning point in the season. That's blatantly obvious. The team went from a game under 500 to 10 games under 500 in nine games. Um, but I, I, we're going to look at this nine-game stretch as either an outlier and like, oh, look, they, they weren't good. They're not going to be good. I hate to break it to you if you're still holding out hope for that. But, oh, that that was just, like, truly rock bottom, and then they kind of recovered and played somewhat competent baseball for a little bit there afterwards. That sucked. Or we're just going to keep spiraling, and no one knows when it's going to stop, and it's just going to get worse and worse. Well, I don't think it really can get worse, I guess, but it's going to stay down here. So that's that's the concerning part while you're in it. What are the depths of badness that this team is going to reach? Dreadful baseball this weekend. We'll start with the starting pitching. Again, as a whole, like we will talk about how they performed in the Arizona series specifically, but this is really just a state of the team at the moment more than anything else. Because the team is awful. Did you know the Oakland Athletics at the time of this recording are on a five-game win streak? That's cool. So, starting pitching. Michael Lorenzen pitches this weekend. Looked really good until he didn't. And I know that obviously Will Vest went out there and gave up some runs too. He didn't finish that inning or anything, but that was just an inning from heck that would not end. And the Tigers went from a somewhat competitive ball game there to just a complete and utter blowout and nothing that happened after that was that the seventh inning really mattered. Um, but yeah, Michael Lorenzen, I think is really the only pitcher at the present moment that you look at in the rotation and go, well, we can count on some innings tonight. It's pretty much it, which is terrifying and awful and not good. And, 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 uh, I know that they have a lot of injuries, and Matt Manning just started his rehab assignment. Tarek Skubal's two starts into his rehab assignment. Hopefully, we get some reinforcements soon. But the fact of the matter is, in the month of June, this team has had zero help from the present rotation. Matt Boyd, pitched again, continues to just be, I don't know, Matthew Boyd? One of the greatest humans to ever put on an old English D. 
objectively, okay? Great human being. Matthew Boyd on the mound just is what he is at this point. He's going to get outs. He's going to go through the first time in the lineup, and you're going to go, oh, wow, this is kind of nice. And then he's going to give up one to three home runs. And it's just a matter of when. And it's a ticking time bomb every time he goes on the mound. And you're just waiting for it to happen. And 100% of the time, it eventually happens. Joey Wentz finally gave a solid outing. And the team turned around and the bullpen completely fell apart on Sunday. Again, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But Joey Wentz finally had a decent start. That doesn't erase the fact that A, he needed an opener, and B, even with a quote-unquote somewhat decent start, was two runs in four and a third. And again, even though he got pulled in, what, the sixth, he didn't pitch the first inning. You have a bullpen day on Monday, and your other pitcher, the only one we haven't mentioned that's still healthy and, and pitching, knock on wood, is Reese Olsen, who his next start will be his third major league start and never even made it into the sixth inning in AAA this season. That is your current rotation. Absolute disaster. Panic. Smash the panic button. Train wreck. Utter train wreck. And going into the season, we talked a lot about starting pitching depth. A lot. Right? Bo Brisky, been hurt all season, starting his rehab hopefully as well. Joey Wentz, we've already talked about in the rotation. Garrett Hill, not a major league starter. Alex Fiedo, on the IL. <laughs> starting pitching gets thin quick. We talked a lot over the offseason about bringing in starting pitching. And the depth that we had, and it evaporated in like days. All right, let's talk about the pen, because that is, oh, that's such a sad conversation. Looking forward to it. All right, first though, I got to tell y'all about our friends over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits just right. The first time around, just add your ride to the My Garage and look for the green check to know if a part will fit or not, or your money back if it doesn't. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed if it is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all so much for tuning in. Even in the midst of a nine-game losing streak, hope is, is all but gone. 
and y'all are still here. I greatly, greatly appreciate all of you for tuning in and the support that this show continues to receive really consistently, no matter what uh, the, the team is doing on the field. So uh, I do not take that for granted. And I very, very, very greatly appreciate each and every one of y'all for tuning in every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll obviously be back tomorrow recapping game one of the Atlanta Braves series at home here at 6.40 p.m. Eastern time. So the bullpen. Um was an absolute disaster this weekend. Will Vest continues to, I don't want to say regress, but continues to slide a little bit, continues to give up a few runs here or there, slowly but surely. That ERA went from like zero the first two weeks of his uh, of getting recalled and now is is around, I think, 3-3, three, 3-4, three, three, somewhere in the, mi- the middle threes. Um, but the biggest thing that just – is is so painfully obvious is this bullpen is not actually that good and this is something that we talked about in April and they turned around and did pretty decently for the month of May this was a pretty darn solid bullpen actually for the month of May the issue is, and the reason that I say it's not actually that good, I'm not trying to tell you that this is like the worst bullpen ever, just because, again, I don't want to be too reactionary. I'm not trying to to do like the sky is falling because of nine games in June. Um, the, the reason that I say this is because it, it is abundantly clear to me that this bullpen is 100% reliant on two men. This bullpen comes and goes as Jason Foley and Alex Lang come and go. There is no Nails Tigers bullpen without those two performing. It's not going to happen. The reason for that is because no one else in this bullpen can pitch in high leverage. No one. Jason Shreve, they've given him some opportunities uh, in the lower leverage situations. He's been really good lately. In all, almost, and I want to say all, in a lot of his high leverage situations this season, that's when the ERA is spiked. You got an ERA over four and a half on the year anyway, right? Jose Cisnero, his FIP is double his ERA. In all the low leverage situations, his ERA goes down and he pitches lights out ball. And in pretty much every single high leverage situation, he gives up runs and hard contact and can't find the strike zone. Not a high leverage pitcher. Tyler Holton, right? Very solid pickup. And in addition, I should say, to the bullpen this season. Has been a solid lefty specialist. Has a low ERA. Pitched in high leverage on Sunday. Got out of it. Wasn't pretty. And there's a reason for that. And there's a reason that they don't consistently go to him in super high leverage. There's no one on this team outside of Lang and Foley that have even remotely proven that they can pitch in high leverage situations. So, then when you get to high leverage and neither of your only two guys that can perform there are pitching very well, this is what happens. Alex Lang, love him, Like crazy, okay? Some of the nastiest stuff I've ever seen out of a Tigers bullpen. He needs to realize that the scouting report is out. And that means that people aren't just going to swing at everything anymore. Big dog. 
You got to throw the ball in the strike zone. Because they're just going to wait until they get into a hitter's count when it's guaranteed in the strike zone and then crush it. It's exactly what's been happening for the last three outings. Jason Foley on Sunday just could not command his sinker. He he couldn't locate it anywhere. So he started to throw the changeup, not the changeup, the slider. Started throwing the slider a lot. The problem with that is the slider is not very good. I love Jason Foley more than anybody on this planet. I think he's an unbelievably valuable asset to have in any bullpen in all of baseball. Every other team would do unthinkable things to have an automatic ground ball in their bullpen. A slider's not a ground ball pitch. So when the sinker isn't there, panic button. Okay? And that's what happened. Couldn't locate it. He tried to find it on the inside part of the plate. Didn't have it. Tried to find it on the glove side of the plate. Didn't have it. Just couldn't locate it. So he threw a ton of sliders, and, and his slider's not very good. It's not very effective. It's not a swing and miss pitch. It gets deposited all over the outfield. So when talking about the current status of the bullpen, and again, why we find ourselves where we do, it's because two dudes aren't showing up. And that's unfair. I'm not trying to say it's their fault. I'm not trying to say that Alex Lang and Jason Foley underperforming are the reason we're on an L9. That's preposterous. They're two one-inning relievers. The offense has been shut out three times in the freaking month of June. But this bullpen is only effective when you have high leverage relievers that you're actually confident in going to at the end of games so that you can use your Shreves, your Vests, your your Holtons in innings five through seven. And when you don't have the nails in the back, then you have to use those dudes when it actually matters. And that leads us to where we are. Now we get the luxury of talking about the Tigers offense. Golly, aren't, I just feel so thankful that I get to do that on a daily basis. Goodness gracious. Okay, calm down. I actually am very grateful for that. Okay, let's get into it. We'll, we'll do that right after this. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Third and final segment here, Locked on Tigers. Appreciate y'all for tuning in, as I say, uh, hopefully every day. But very much appreciate all y'all for tuning into the show and continuing to support the show. The main event of the evening is the offense. To be fair to them, this weekend, uh, they did get shut out once, which is obviously always awful. Um, But they put up uh, the six runs on Friday. Who even really cares? Like, they they had two runs in the first six innings, and then once the game was an absolute blowout of epic proportions, and you went up against the lowest leverage relievers, the worst relievers, in the D-backs bullpen is when you started to score runs, and you scored a few runs in the last three innings of the game. I don't even really care. Sunday, 
was objectively a good offensive performance. That's one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. And the approach they had was fantastic. It was the first time since Riley Green got hurt that I looked at this offense and went, wow, the approaches are actually really solid again. They're working counts. They're finding ways to get on base. They're making him attack. They're not chasing the cutter out of the strike zone that so many people swing and miss on. It was a phenomenal approach that was also executed really well. And we thought, wow, we're actually finally going to win a game. And I was going to tweet a picture of a pig in an airplane because that would have been funny. But we can't have anything as fans of this team. Not even a funny tweet every once in a while. So I want to start with that. That on Sunday, the offense actually looked solid for, well, the when Zach Gallen was in the game. They didn't really attack too terribly much in the last four innings. But against one of the best pitchers in the entire game of baseball, their approach and execution was fantastic. And they gave up four runs in the ninth, and obviously we already talked about the bullpen. Um, oh, really quickly, by the way, this is a kind of an ADHD moment on my part. I apologize. Uh, it happens often. Um, the decision to go to Lang there, I, I don't disagree with from Hinch on Sunday, the decision to go Lang in the seventh and eighth and whatever. Um, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, a closer in a non-safe situation. You got, you can't, I don't think you can look at it from that perspective these days. You got to look at it as because um, AJ Hinch doesn't even call him the closer because that's that's not really what he is. He's the highest leverage reliever, and so going to Lang in that when the lineup turned over, it was nine one two was due up at, at the bottom there, and that's who he ended up facing. Then the top in the heart of the order there for the Diamondbacks, you want your best reliever on the mound, and then presumably you can go, you know, Holton Foley whatever you ended up doing after Lang with the bottom part of the lineup and it just ended up obviously fully didn't do well and allowed a ton of base runners. Then it got bad. The lineup turned over again and what happened happened. But um, as far as a strategic standpoint, I mean, this dude managed this game Sunday's game, like it was game seven of the world series. I know a lot of people made that comparison, but like he quite literally did. He managed this game. Like he, he went all out to just win a ball game and stop the scuffling. And the two best relievers on the team couldn't hold a lead. I don't know what else you want. The order doesn't really matter. Neither of them looked good. Both of them allowed base runners. Both of them allowed runs. And who else were you going to go to? Okay, let's get back to the offense. So they did have a good approach, good execution. We already said all that, blah, blah, blah. Um, That doesn't change the fact that this offense currently is one of the most embarrassing lineups in all of baseball. It, it's, it's preposterous. It's unthinkably bad. Let's play the OPS game again. We love this game here. Zach McKinstry after Sunday, 752 OPS, hit a homer. Hopefully that gets him going. The big thing with McKinstry is honestly... Um, we, we know his holes now and he just has to adjust. So like 
like the the home run was like on a heater inside. He was actually hitting the ball really hard all game. Just was finding outfielders' gloves. Uh, it, he has a hole up fastballs up and away, and then breaking balls that like bounce on home plate pretty much, like at, at his ankles that are balls low. Those two pitches he swings and misses a lot. If he can just tighten up that and make adjustments and know that that's coming and kind of prepare a little bit better for that. I think he'll get back on, on a, a hot streak. So that's literally the only thing that he's struggling with, but everybody knows it now. So he went on an 0-17 skid uh, on Sunday. I thought he took good ABs. 7.52 OPS for McKinstry. Then you have Spencer Torkelson, who after the double and walk, has a 666 OPS. Kerry Carpenter, three for four. Thank goodness for Kerry Carpenter. He has an 847 OPS on the season. The most impressive thing about Carp uh, on Sunday, well, not on Sunday, really the entire weekend, right? I mean, he went like eight for 11 <laughs> since coming back from the IL. Uh, so th- the most impressive thing with him in his first stint, it was, okay, he really only hits right-handers that throw fastballs. He crushes heaters. He crushes righties. But struggles a little bit against lefties and struggles a little bit against non-fastballs. So far, since coming back off the IL, and hopefully it maintains, he's been hitting not only non-fastballs, but he's actually been spraying the ball all over the field. And that's another thing he didn't do. If you looked at his spray chart uh, before the injury, everything was pull side. Everything was right field, right field, right field. And... In again, very small sample size, literally 11 plate appearances or whatever. I think he had a walk in there too, actually. Uh, so like 12 plate appearances, but um, he he was hitting the ball the opposite way and it didn't look unnatural. It looked like he was trying to. He has, his, his bat stays in the strike zone so long and that's so good. Uh, it's, it, I know like long swings can sometimes be scary, but his his bat, like the bat path is beautiful. That's really what it is. The bat path is 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 nearly perfect. And so, uh, yeah, he, he was like intentionally going with the ball and spraying it to the opposite field, which is something we didn't see really at all uh, before the injury. And so I, I'm not saying he like made an adjustment while he was hurt necessarily, but nice to see so far. So shout out to Kerry Carpenter for being really, uh, at least this weekend, like the only consistent major league hitter by, by honestly, optically. Uh, in the lineup, Javi Baez, 576 OPS, uh, unbelievable at-bats uh, this weekend. Like, just remarkably horrible. Uh, you can throw it anywhere. You can throw a slider that bounces. You can throw a slider low and away. That's a foot out of the strike zone. He's hacking at all of it. Uh, and now, I guess now, not, not like it's a new thing, but also you can throw a fastball at his nose and he will swing every time. Just swing right through it. Why anyone throws him a ball in the strike zone is beyond me. Uh, But also, I guess, to be fair, he also takes fastballs on the outer half of the plate. Like like strikes that are right on the edge on the outer part of the plate. He just doesn't swing at those for some reason. But he swings at everything else. 576 OPS. Nick Maton, 167 average, 606 OPS. Eric Haas, 0 for 4 on Sunday, 553 OPS. I would, look, a year ago, I'm not afraid to to say like DFA Eric Haas because literally at the start of June last year, I came on here and said it. 
Um, and then he turned around and had an OPS over 800 the rest of the way. We're almost in the, the, the middle of June. We're almost halfway through June, and, and his offense has gotten no better. The issue is the same thing when we talk about pitching. There's no one to replace him with, dog. Nobody. Dylan Dingler has like a 220-something average, a 770 OPS in AA. That, that, he's, he's not close. That's not happening. Um, uh, Donnie Sands has an OPS of like 640 in AAA. The, the third player we got for Gregory Soto. Um, Andrew Knapp, I, I guess, is hitting pretty decently, but he's 31, 32 years old. That, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess you can do that, but that seems to be a lateral move. Knapp hasn't hit well in the majors in years. There's no one. <laughs> Nobody. So... <laughs> Oh my goodness. Miguel Cabrera. You know what? Shout out Miggy. Uh, has another hit. He has actually been hitting the baseball really well. The last, what, five games, I want to say, that he's played in. Not the last five Tigers games. The last five games he's been in the lineup. He's hit the ball really, really well. Obviously, the three-hit game does a lot there. But he has, like, extra base hits. He's hitting the ball hard. Uh, Miguel Cabrera has actually looked really good uh, the last, like, week and a half. So, Shout out to Miggy. Uh, I, I guess uh, you kind of have to put him in the lineup. Like I never, I didn't think I'd be saying this at any point this season, but like the, everybody else is so, is struggling so much. Jonathan Scope, 516 OPS. It's June 11th. We are not only rostering, we started a dude that barely has an OPS over 500. It's June. Andy Abanez pinch hit 532 OPS after the triple. Jake Marisnik, two hits, 499 OPS. Zach Short, OPS now under 800. 795, he's got a sample size thing. Marisnik, to be fair to him, does too. It's just... Unreal. It, it, it's it's truly unbelievable how just brutal this offense is. And so now we get to do something part 3,000. Anything. Akil Badu hurt now. Great. Awesome. He was like your third best hitter. Perfect. Just what we needed. And Kerry Carpenter comes back. That's great. But we, we shouldn't be swapping one of our best hitters for one of our best hitters. We need all the help we can get. Um, Tigers claim Nick Solak. Uh, he's a super utility guy that doesn't strike out a whole lot. But he doesn't hit really either. He's kind of like Andy Abanez, but he plays more positions. Doesn't strike out, but is not going to walk. Is not going to hit for a lick of power. He's kind of just like another super utility guy that doesn't really hit very well. So, that's your newest Tiger. <sighs> and I, I, I... I 
cannot express enough how much I hate being the, well, like, they just suck guy. Because I, I, I want to actually analyze. And I want to actually talk about why. But, like, we don't have enough time in the day. <laughs> this is an entire offense that is just incompetent. I try. I, I, I promise I do. It's, it's just, you have to do something. I tweeted out the clip from, from the office where Jim is in Michael's office and Michael is at Jim's desk and he calls him and goes, you have to actually do something. You can't just sit there. You, you have to. And look, I, I I understand if you're like, well, the development team, like we don't want to rush these guys, whatever. I I I I think that's very frustrating. That's a very frustrating answer. That being said, even if that's true, that doesn't mean there's not anything you can do. Half of your lineup has an OPS under 600. You are starting dudes who have OPSs at or below 500 in June. You cannot just sit here and do nothing. You can't. And looking ahead, again, you get the Braves. And and I feel like I, I've just reiterated that you have to do something thing at the end of like every show for the last week. And I don't want to be that either. I don't want to just repeat myself and not give any new new content or new analysis on a daily basis. But like I, I it, it's mind-boggling to me that nothing's being done. That that's preposterous to me. That we're just looking at this offense and we're going, you know what? Andy Abanyas, he's probably better than anybody else in the organization right now. What? Jonathan Scope in June. We said in spring training, if he made it to June, we'd be raising our eyebrows. We're almost halfway through June. He's still here and is no better. There, 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 there has to be something. There has to be. Even if it's just trying different depth. Like, literally, I would take that. Even if it's like, well, we're going to get rid of Andy Abanez, uh, and we're going to call up some other dude in their 30s that probably isn't going to do anything. Okay. At least we're trying. It just, it, it, it sends a horrible message if they are to just do nothing. I know a lot of people are going to come back from injury as well, and that'll help. And, and the minor league season ends in, in uh, I think, a week and a half. The halfway part of the season ends. It's complicated. The, the halfway point in the minor league season, double A specifically, ends in about a week and a half, two weeks. So, like, there might be movement then, but I, I, I just, it, it, the, the message it screams is that we're still not even remotely caring about wins and losses at the moment. Which, it's been eight years. 
And I know it hasn't been eight years for Scott Harris, and it hasn't been eight years for A.J. Hinch, and it hasn't been eight years for anybody in this lineup outside of Miguel Cabrera. But it's been eight years for us. And you know who else it's been eight years for? The owner of this baseball team. And that should tell you everything you need to know. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. I appreciate all of you greatly. We'll be back tomorrow recapping game one of the Atlanta Braves series. Tigers, again, 6.40 Eastern start time in Comerica Park, going for a bullpen day. Hopefully cannot extend this losing streak to 10 games. All right. Don't implode on each other. The Tiger fan that you're arguing with in person or online or whatever is the only one of the only other people in the entire world that knows what it's like <laughs> to be a Tiger fan, okay? Embrace. All we got's each other and all we got's hope, baby. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all tomorrow. Go Tigers.